0: Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring
1: your space to life. Harmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up Screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call one 858 858
0: So now what's the attitude? Settled for the draw. Yeah, it looks like it. England happy with the draw. As Marcus Smith kicks it into touch. Wow, what a game of rugby that was. The All Blacks led by 25 to 6 and this man, Will Stewart, the prop scored a couple of tries. Freddie Stewart scored a try and what we finish up with at Twickenham is a 25 all draw. Yeah, we certainly do, Nisbo. Uh, The All Blacks have ended their uh, 2022 season with that uh, 25-0 draw against England and put a funny-looking bow on what's been a turbulent time for Ian Foster and his side. Once leading 25-6 with 10 minutes to play, a Bowden Barrett yellow card, and 28 penalties later... Blown by French referee Mathieu Reynal, the English came storming back and joining us now from the UK is the favourite of the show who's been following uh, the All Blacks on tour, Jamie Wall. Jamie, uh, good morning to you, New Zealand time. Good evening over there.
1: Yeah, good morning, Smithy, and good evening from, from London. It's, uh, it's been a pretty um, interesting tour, I can tell you that much.
0: It has been an interesting one and uh, became very, very interesting in the, the last 10 minutes, So uh, about 24 hours ago. Um, just feels like a loss to me. I, I can't look at it any other way.
1: No, I think you're not alone in that. I think the All Blacks definitely feel the same way as well. I mean, if you, I think the the general analysis of a draw is, a, if you're the team that was ahead um, going going into the last ten minutes, and you're the one that ends up on on the drawing side, then yeah, you should probably feel like a loss because really they should have locked that game up uh, long before. England came back and scored uh, three tries at the end there. They absolutely fell to bits in that last 10 minutes. And, I mean, really, for a game that had a great first 10 minutes by the All Blacks, um, a fantastic last 10 minutes by uh, the English, um, there's not really much else to, to say about the game. It was actually a pretty forgettable test match. I mean, thanks to the um, referee trying to turn it into a game of Uh But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's like you alluded to uh, in, your, in your little sermon um, before – uh we really we really needed a full stop on this season we really needed a full stop and instead we got another question mark
0: mm. absolutely well put well put and the crowd seemed divided too over, over the option of marcus smith uh, kicking the ball into touch and taking the draw when england were on such a a good roll
1: I don't think they were divided. I think they were pretty pretty much to a man um, disappointed uh, with that um, and they weren't alone because um, his teammates uh, certainly uh, showed the body language of exasperation when that happened and uh, Edie Jones um, in the aftermatch didn't exactly endorse the decision either uh, so, you know, interesting one there for them but I think really though um, while, while I'm sure Edie would have wanted them to continue on and push for the win uh, you know, they're pretty happy with getting away with that, they're pretty lucky, uh, to be fair, because, um, you know, despite a good second-half performance, like I said, the All Blacks had done more than enough to win that game, and uh, they came out um, with, a, with a draw. So I think the English should be quite quite happy with that. But, yeah, there's a few storylines from both sides coming out of that game. You know, obviously, once again, it sort of indicated Eddie Jones's methods um, because, you know, one thing he's been really big on um, is the use of his bench Um, And you have to say, they completely outplayed the All Black bench uh, with uh, Will Stewart coming on and scoring a couple of crucial tries there and just basically taking the game away from the All Blacks at the end.
0: Yeah, the use of the bench is an interesting one because, uh, and you know, it's something I've been mulling over for quite some time. Why make an international rugby, important international rugby, why make changes for the sake of making changes when quite clearly uh, things are going quite nicely? If you're leading by that margin with uh, with 10 minutes to go, you, you, you kind of think that um, the guys that have done the job or are largely responsible for doing the job should be the ones locking it up for you, don't you? Does it always have to happen that way?
1: Uh, well, I actually look at it from the other point of view, Smithy. I, I feel like that bench got given a pretty simple task uh, to to carry out, which was to go on and, and pretty much just you know close the game down. Give give the other guys let the other guys play play out a good sixty to seventy minutes there, Uh, and and they just couldn't do it. And it's it's really perplexing considering that they were the ones that won the All Blacks game last week against Scotland. You know, we we would have been talking about another historical loss uh, had the bench not come on and done a really good job. Um, for the All Blacks at Murrayfield. So I'm really scratching mm-hmm. my head as to why it didn't work like that and why there didn't seem to be a plan around these guys. Like, the way that the Springboks and the English have essentially remodelled the game around uh, the bench coming on and playing specific roles. I, I have to say, last week when the team got announced, it was a bit odd to see Havili and Leonard Brown on the bench. Why would you take two guys who essentially play in the same position um, on there? Uh, and again, and, and Satudu and Frizzell as well, two very like-for-like like players. So it's it was a bit of weird. Um, a lot of that kind of had to do down, down to the fact that the all kind of really would didn't really have anyone else. Um, but really, though, the, I think this is a bit of a coaching thing, um, that they couldn't kind of get the best out of these guys and give them a role to fulfil coming on. Um, but then again, a lot of it has to do with the players because really when you're up 25-6, um, it's, it's, it's not hard to know what to do.
0: No, it's not. Um, what about the refereeing? This Matthew Reynal, uh, again, the centre of attention. Uh, the Bowden Barrett affair. How did, how did you read the Bowden Barrett yellow card?
1: I mean, I think it was fair because, I mean, he'd been so incredibly pedantic about everything all night. Uh, I think by that stage, you know, really, it was just a matter of time before a card was, was coming out. I mean, you know, the, the, the one positive thing that the All Blacks can take out of this game is that they did adapt to the referee a lot faster than the English did in in the first half and um, you saw that when the All Blacks were getting into the 22, uh, sorry, the English were getting into the 22 and we're getting dispossessed and having the ball turned over and the All Blacks could exit, uh, much like what happened to the Scots at Murrayfield, which I think is something that's actually been a real positive on the tour uh, for the All Blacks, is they're in, inside their own 22 defence, um, and that was just due to them being able to figure out now a little bit earlier. Obviously, they've had him earlier this year. Um, but then I think that the biggest talking point is not so much the 28 penalties, it's where all the penalties went in the last 20, um, last 10 minutes because all of a sudden it turned into a really good game of rugby, which it hadn't been before. So, I mean, that's that to me is an interesting one because um, we could listen to it on the refs' mics. We heard Owen Farrell chirping at uh, Raynell pretty constantly, um, especially after uh, Rico Yoani's try. And part of that, I think, I mean, I don't want to say it, 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 you know, because I was just listening to it, but I feel like there was definitely a correlation, if not causation, between a few conversations that were had out there by the English to reynal to from what the game was to what it ended up being.
0: Right, let's look at um, perhaps a couple of uh, performances, uh, individual performances. Uh, Cody Taylor starting at hooker over Toki Aho. How did you read that?
1: Well, I mean, the selection itself wasn't uh, that unsurprising um sorry that that's surprising given that they'd swapped these guys in and out um all year uh and Cody was coming off the back of a very good performance um last week at Murrayfield, as like I said as part of that bench uh squad that came on and closed the game out um but yeah uh, I thought personally I thought Cody was pretty strong around the field but just they botched three line outs in a row um it's it's sometimes a little bit unfair me, to um blame completely blame the hooker for um, bad lineouts uh, because mm-hmm. it is a team effort in there but it was something that he had to work on this year you know that that cost the All Blacks dearly down in Christchurch uh, against Argentina and um it, it you know played a big part in the All Blacks not being up a lot more at half time which they should have which probably was the difference between winning and losing the game so yeah i think that you know again Cody had put a bit of a full stop on his place in the team going into next year. You know, you need that veteran uh, experience. Um, but again, that that one on the weekend just sort of showed like, well, hang on, what's going on here? Is there someone else to be coming through? So again, another question mark.
0: OK, let's look at the, the seven jersey. A lot of people saying Dalton Popper Lee was perhaps one of the players of uh, that tour. Uh, where do you see it uh, with a fit Sam Kane? Uh, next year? Has um, is, is Dalton Popoletti done enough to wrest that jersey off him or not?
1: That's a fascinating question. Um, I mean, I I personally think he's he's definitely top seven in the country, but I don't think he'll be starting at seven next year when Sam Kane's fit, because uh, Ian Foster's uh, pretty much hitched his wagon to Sam Kane. You know, those those two go go hand in hand. And if there's one thing you can say about Foster, it is he's, he's loyal to his players, and he's not going to name a captain this far out. And then... Uh, and then drop him. So, I mean, I personally, I, you know, I'm a fan of Dalton. I'm a fan of Sam as well, to be fair. Um, I think he's had a pretty wretched run of injuries um, of late. So I think it's going to be a really interesting Super Rugby season next year. But you're, you're right, Dalton hasn't put a foot wrong on this tour and can probably come out as the got one guy who's enhanced his reputation um, more than anyone else because he was known as a real blue-collar player that got around and, and did the dirty work. Um, but he's had a lot of good ball-and-hand moments on this tour uh and um you know stood up and you can really see some signs of seniority and leadership in him despite his uh relatively young age uh and so yeah like i said super rugby is going to be really interesting next year especially when the blues play the chiefs
0: in terms of uh, the last 12 months of rugby it has been turbulent you've been following it you've been writing about it oh, i how much progress do you think, um, you know, Ian Foster and, and his group have made? I mean, if you compare it to 12 months ago, where where do you where do you feel we sit in, in terms of uh, some of those issues?
1: Well, if you look at where they were 12 months ago, they'd lost two tests in a row, like badly. Um, and then they've, they've come out of this one with you know, six wins in a row and a draw. So I think results-wise, you can definitely say that they're in a better place than they were this time last year. Um, how they got there, though, that's that's another question. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the losses to Ireland, um, lost to Argentina, lost to South Africa, uh, were results of just, I guess, poor planning. Um, I think there's been some real selection issues going on. I think that, you know... Uh, a lot of the combinations um, and 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 things just haven't really been that well thought through, uh, especially you know when it comes in terms of like what's the best matchup for an opposition like Ireland or like South Africa, uh, mm. and so and I and I also think that a lot of the success stories we've seen in terms of players, um, and let's just say for example the front row of Ethan de Groot, oh, props of um, Ethan de Groot and uh, Tyrell Lomax, that was more of an accident rather than design. Um, that, that happened because those guys only. DeGroote was dropped and then he only came back because it was an injury. Um, again, uh, you know, Papaliti's great form is because Sam Kane was there, otherwise he would have been on the bench as well. Uh, and Geordie um, Barrett ending up at 12, which has again been one of the, the success stories, and probably now you'd have to say that Geordie's the front runner in the number 12 jersey going forward. Uh, that again was based on injury, and Ian Foster had said at the start of the year we only see Geordie as a 15, uh, and then completely walked that back um, when he was selected at 12 and said, no, no, we'd, we'd, we'd always wanted to have, give him a run there. And what do you know? He turns out to be the best player in the team, and, uh, best player in the squad at that position, and that's what a lot of people have been saying for, uh, for a few years now. So, you know, I, I think that a, a, a lot of what's happened that's been good to the All team has kind of more fallen in lap rather than been the result of... Uh, of good good strategy and, and and planning but you know that's the New Zealand rugby for you like there are other players out there that can just come in and do a job that's the way it's kind of always been so I think maybe it's a little unfair to just say like oh well you know Fo- Foster's just done this blind and 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 the good things have just worked out so so yeah it is it is kind of really difficult to know um but I like I said before I think they, you can safely say they're in a better place than they were this time last year
0: OK, it's interesting. Right, the other thing, um, the, the, the older legs. Are the older legs that going to be OK for us in uh, 10, 12 months' time?
1: Uh, great question. I mean, um, we've just seen um, this morning some really bad news for TJ Perrano. He's, uh, he's out for nine months with an ACL. Um, so that means that two all-blade halfbacks now have done their knees. Um, so that's an interesting selection policy. He'd be one of the guys who you'd probably put in that category. Uh, and, yeah, I think that there's going to be some real management of guys like um, guys like Sam Whitelock, um, Scott Barrett, etc., uh, and, and guys in the Type 5 that need to be fresh um, for the World Cup. So uh, you we're probably not going to see as much of those guys in Super Rugby as we normally would. I mean, I think that's been definitely sort of on the cards anyway. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be there – are, there are a few guys who you're like, well, can we just squeeze the last bit of good rugby out of you Uh, before you retire, and I don't think that's the right way to be going into a World Cup. I I really don't. I think you need guys who are kind of, you know, peaking year on year rather than at the end of a a very illustrious career because if you're relying on guys to be reaching back in time for the form that they once had, um, then you're going to be struggling.
0: Mm, interesting. Um, um, when you uh, look at the other nations, uh, Ireland just uh, sneaking home against uh, Australia have had a fairly wretched season in terms of results. Uh, are they are they in France still clearly uh, at this point? Are they the two teams?
1: I think um, we're probably going to fire we'll have a better idea uh, about the Springboks and when the, after they play England. Um, this weekend but yeah I think it's safe to say that France and Ireland are still on top um, having chatted to some journalists um, up around here they, of course they're saying like well this is what Ireland always do they, they get really good a year out before the World Cup and then blow it once they um, make the quarterfinals of the World Cup itself um, but also I think that the, uh, the story of Ireland is, is, is the story of Johnny Sexton as well um his he, he is completely crucial to that team um and you saw that in in the series in new zealand that you know even at age of what is he 30 36 37 now um he pulls all the strings in there and they really don't have anyone to replace him if, if he goes down so you know if something happens to him between now and the world cup then that's going to dramatically change uh, irish fortunes um france on the other hand i mean they've shown a a, a couple of wobbles um recently against south africa and australia but i mean they did still win both of those games so that's a sign of a very good team and you know the this french side has the one thing that you haven't been able to say about french rugby ever which is they're consistent so you know they they very much look like they're taking that consistency into a home world cup and you can't discount how important that home ground advantage is going to be for them next year
0: jamie wall always great to catch up with you thanks for your summation there and the summary of uh, what's been a fairly long and eventful year in uh, All Blacks. Uh, we thank you for that and travel safely, mate. Thank you.
1: No problem, Ross Smithy. See you soon. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.